So the two sides reckon they have struck a deal on the US debt ceiling and a vote on it could happen as soon as Wednesday, so just in the nick of time. Then we can get back to focusing on inflation and central banks and how even with rising rates, consumption is still strong, inflation is still elevated. And we had evidence of that from the US on Friday. A quiet day today with the US and UK on holiday, but a busy week with European inflation and US non-farm payrolls. And, well, you know, if the debt ceiling isn't voted on or agreed on, well, that's a whole new can of worms, isn't it? But it's Monday, the 29th of May, 2023. It's the morning call from NAM. Good morning. Well, the US dollar fell a little on Friday for the first time in more than a week. In fact, over the week last week, it was still up 0.7%, even with that drop at the end of the week, whilst the Aussie dollar, which managed a 0.2% gain on Friday, was down 2% last week, finishing the week just below 65.2 US cents. And the positive mood was reflected in equities too, with the Nasdaq up 2.2% on Friday, 1% added to the Dow, 1.3% for the S&P 500. In Europe, we saw a 1.6% lift in the Eurostoxx 50, uh, the ASX 200 up just a little bit as well, and bond yields generally easing off a little on Friday. Two basis points off 10-year treasuries, four off 10-year gilts, but two basis points higher for German 10-year bonds and Aussie 10 years up three basis points to 3.73%, uh, a couple of basis points lower than that on futures since then, though. And amidst all the hope that we saw, oil is up, WTI up 1.2% higher on Friday, 0.9% higher for Brent. Now, that all went on before the weekend and over the weekend, a deal that might solve the debt crisis in America. Nabs Taylor Nugent in uh, Melbourne joins me now. So, I mean, there obviously will be a response to that news. I mean, there was a bit uh, on Friday, but of course we didn't know for sure at that stage. Uh, So we'll see a response today. And yet the US and UK markets are closed today, aren't they? So it's going to be thin trade. So not exactly great timing. Yeah, good good morning, Phil. I think think that's right. Certainly that that news on the weekend that... um, Speaker McCarthy and President Biden had come to a, an in principle agreement should should kind of prime markets for you know a little bit of a relief rally into the start of this week. But with um, US and UK markets both closed on Monday, um, probably fairly thin conditions to to kind of meet um, that that response. Um, though you know US Treasury futures and, and S and P five hundred futures will will trade, um, but you know yeah it should be should be fairly thin thin conditions there to to meet. The Does that, that mean deal. there's a chance for an overreaction or an underreaction if we're, if we're getting you know two major markets closed uh yeah look it, it could do it probably does mean that we have to you know wait until until tuesday before kind mm. of things do kind of settle down and it's also worth pointing out here as well that although that kind of in principle agreement has been struck we've still got to um have that deal make its way through um through both chambers of congress as well so it's not as if these headlines will kind of yeah. completely move into the background um we did see in terms of kind of the market response that kind of as hopes kind of continued to grow on Friday that negotiators were were nearing a deal that you know there was a, a positive risk um, a positive tone for, for risk assets generally and we did see um, US equities moving higher the S&P 500 up another um, 1.3 percent and a, and a Brit a bit broader on Friday as well, still led by still led by tech as it as it was on Thursday, but much less concentrated with a bit more of a, a broad based move higher there in equities. So and we saw the, the US dollar fall a bit as well. So does that mean that, you know, if this does get pushed through, we will start to see that rally in the US dollar start to fall and could the Aussie pick up a bit? 
or could the conversely could the uh, that, here's an opportunity for an economist to say well it could be either uh, could the US dollar actually stay high because there's going to be quite a few treasury bills issued once uh, once spending is back on track well I think you've you've set me up well there there Phil I think you know it's, it's fair to say that kind of the, the strength we've seen in the the US dollar over kind of the past week or so certainly you know a bit of a um, a bit of a kind of safe haven demand on the back of the the debt ceiling concern may have been one part of that story. But, you know, when we think mm. about the the broader picture, we've had kind of short end US yields moving higher as well. We've had kind of firm US data and we'll talk about the, the PCE data on on Friday in a moment as well, kind of increasing expectations that the Fed may have more to do in in the near term and, and pushing out some of that pricing for cuts as well. And so all of that has been supporting the, the US dollar on kind of a, a more fundamental basis in, in the background alongside some of these um, debt ceiling concerns as well. So as you say, you know, we're not at the woods yet, are we? So the, the hope is that Wednesday, this will get voted on, which is the very last day before the 1st of June, which is when Janet Yellen says they're going to run out of money. It does feel like, so McCarthy's got to uh, obviously sell the deal to his Republicans, but it does feel more like a, a Biden climb down, doesn't it? Because the agreement is a cap on non-defence discretionary spending at current levels in 2024. Uh, and then a 1% increase in 2025. Now, given where inflation is, this is obviously quite, actually a cut in spending. So there's, there's a risk, isn't there? If the U- US goes into a recession and uh, the government, by by law, is prevented from you know doing the whole Keynesian thing and b- pushing up government spending to try and pump prime the economy, they, they're going to be prevented from doing that by legislation. So, he, I mean, Biden's in an awkward spot with this, I would have thought. Yeah, I think, you know, the deal, certainly the comments from, from McCarthy are that, you know, maybe nobody will be particularly happy with this deal, which I guess I guess makes sense given it's, mm. it's supposed to be a, a compromise. And in terms of the detail, kind of the full... The full text um, isn't yet uh, isn't yet complete, um, but you know, reporting does suggest that the kind of the core tenet of the deal, in terms of those kind of broad macro implications, are that nominal spending will be flat through fiscal twenty twenty four, and then only a one percent increase um, the year after that. Um, so, you know, that does imply declines in in real spending in terms of the you know that that fiscal impulse to the economy. I've seen plenty of commentators suggesting that, you know, this is certainly a, a step down in terms of fiscal drag from either of the um, the party's initial negotiating positions with kind of Democrats initially looking for um, for tax increases and Republicans for, for deeper spending cuts. And so relative to, to what could have been, I guess it's not as much of a drag and certainly maybe not too different to what could have been expected through kind of a normal appropriations process and, and budget wrangling as well. Um, the other important thing to note there about that kind of two-year horizon is that it does take uh, the the debt ceiling until after the 2024 presidential election as well. Um, but you know, yeah. from from here, that passage through Congress could could still be noisy with certainly some. Um, on the right flank of the Republican Party already kind of signaling disapproval um, and that kind of slim majority for, for Speaker McCarthy in in the House as well. Um, and right down to the, the wire in terms of the timeline with kind of the bill set to go to Congress oh, on gee. Wednesday and then, sorry, the House on, on Wednesday. Then it needs to get through the, the Senate, assuming it's passed there. And um, we did hear Yellen 
firming up that early June estimate on Friday, 5th of June now looks like the oh, X right. date, but still, you know, okay. right down to the wire as we go through this week. It certainly is. And I can't imagine if it doesn't happen. Imagine if they, uh, if the Republicans do block it. Anyway, we'll see. But if it, assuming it does get through, that means we can get back to concentrating on does the Fed have to do more? And that brings us on to that uh, core PC price index, uh, which was higher than anticipated in April, more than in March, and a big rise in personal spending, up 0.8% month on month in April, twice the rate of uh, the increase in personal income. I don't know where they're getting the money from. And, you know, what does it take? Is the question, isn't it? Yeah, that, that PCA data on Friday is showing, as you say, a, an upside surprise on the core PCA deflator up 0.4% in the month versus 0.3 consensus and also stronger than expected spending with kind of real consumer spending up 0.5% month on month, um, despite the, the higher prices that we saw there. And so, you know, looking at that, it does say that the consumer is a bit more resilient than expected, which, you know, it's... That that's been the direction of the surprise for for quite some time, and it does put kind of when we think about um, second quarter GDP growth, we had kind of a couple of months ago that kind of profile of uh, increases in consumption through that first quarter seemed to be setting up a, a weaker second quarter for consumption. But you know, on these numbers, um, already looking like the the level of spending is a little bit above where it was on average through through the first quarter, and so potentially looking at another positive for for consumption growth there. Although um, I would note there that vehicle sales helped a lot in um, in April and, and do tend to be volatile. Probably the more important thing from mm. here is just that lack of relief on pricing pressures, though, with um, the PCE deflator. You know, that core core deflator now and um, in three-month annualised terms, so smoothing through a, a little bit of the volatility, it's still running at 4.3%, and that's the same rate as it was a year ago in April 2022. So certainly looking much more mm. like sideways than a compelling downtrend there. Core services, ex-housing, which the Fed is, of course, watching closely, also up 0.4% month-on-month and 4.9% and in three-month annualised terms. You'd want to be seeing that down into you know, somewhere around two and three quarter percent to be consistent with the Fed's target. And so still much too high there. Um, and we did have uh, the Cleveland Fed's Mester speaking after the data as well. And and her interpretation was, as you'd expect, saying that the, the data came um, that came in this morning suggests we have more work to do. And so, you know, fairly unequivocal there. The direction of that surprise from the PCE deflator is unhelpful from the Fed's perspective. And the consumer sentiment read from the the Michigan Fed uh, a little higher than expected uh, down on the April number though so fifty nine point two for May uh, but the uh, and the five year expectations for inflation uh, at three point one percent but the twelve month out read has, has come down a little isn't it from four point six down to four point two the two year Treasury note still up at four point six percent though that went up twenty nine basis points last week I wonder whether that's I mean and that's not going to be helped is it by uh, by that data that we saw on Friday yeah we did we did see two-year yields are a little bit higher on on Friday as well um, with the, the curve a lot flatter as that mm. data kind of supported that that near-term expectation and as you say over the week two yields up close to close to 30 basis points so quite a big move in kind of that that front-end pricing and you can see that in near-term Fed expectations as well with markets now pricing around a 70% chance of an increase in June 
um, that's up from around 50% on Thursday and, and just 18% um, a, a week prior. And so, so fairly sharp repricing there yeah. for, for that near-term expectation with an increase now more than fully priced by by July, whereas it was really kind of toying between whether the, the Fed was done or maybe had one more a little while ago. And so the, that kind of comments from Fed speakers that even though they are cognizant of the, the lagged impact still to come through and that maybe that there is a case to kind of slow down and, and watch more data come in. Um, you know, that the Fed, even if they do um, see the case to, to pause in June, um, may not be done is certainly well reflected in pricing today. And uh, more resilience in the UK, although I guess we've got to look at the month before, but retail sales in April down 3% year on year, but up half a percent, half a percent month on month, take out fuel and uh, retail sales is actually up 0.8% month on month. And, you know, even with inflation as high as they've got it. So that's quite a surprise because we did see quite a fall. Yeah, the, the UK retail sales number in the month of April providing a bit of an upside surprise, 0.8% versus 0.4% expected on that ex-fuel number. Um, but, you know, on net, that was kind of countered by a, a downward revision to, to March, which was revised down to minus 1.4 from an initially reported minus one. So, you know, on net, including that revision probably you know broadly as expected for, for UK retail sales and Australian retail sales bit of a slowdown plateaued in April um, I mean the expectation was they'd slow but uh, I mean, not quite as much as they did slow perhaps uh, yeah so consensus was for a small positive of, of 0.3 we'd picked a, an unchanged read read in April seeing it kind of a little bit softer than than where consensus was and you know we have seen now that you know not only was it flat in April retail sales in in nominal terms is kind of broadly flat for the past six months smoothing through some of those monthly wiggles was spending around its October levels um, and in there you know those same themes of kind of a more resilient service aside than than the good side with kind of you know non-food good spending down 2.3 percent over that past six months in in nominal terms um, whereas that softness kind of you know offset by um, higher food food retailing and also a, a fairly chunky 2.8 percent increase in in the one services consumption indicator in that release which is um, cafes restaurants and, and takeaway food spending and so that kind of divergence between mm. softening goods but so far still resilient um, services certainly picked up in that you know strongly goods heavy um, skewed retail spending indicator um, but you know from the rba's perspective we don't think that kind of flattening in, in retail sales will be too much of a, a surprise they've kind of talked about the the um, signs of slowing in consumption growth and do expect consumption growth to kind of be much slower over over 2023 um and so you know what we're seeing here is that you know the the levels matter and and the strength of spending through through much of, of 2022 is the starting point for for this kind of movement sideways we've seen over over the past few months and so while some of those headwinds that are well known for the consumer do seem to be starting to come through and seeing consumption grow slowing probably still still a picture of a, a resilient consumer you'd have to say People are still going out for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, look, uh, Turkey went to the polls again over the weekend with a runoff election. And it seems despite uh, 
overseeing a country that's got inflation over 40% or more than 100%, depending on who you believe, but certainly more than 40%. It seems Erdogan has been voted in again, 52% of the votes. So uh, more of that uh, low rates approach to inflation fighting. Let's uh, let's see how that works out for them. Uh, but look, uh, quiet today, because as we said, uh, uh, the US and uh, the UK are closed. A reasonably quiet week ahead, although we do get inflation numbers for Europe. I guess they are the main economic releases, aren't they? Plus the ISM manufacturing PMIs for for the US on Friday, and uh, non-farm payrolls. Will they add to the problems for the Fed? Because they're fighting a lot at the moment. Yeah, so non-farm payrolls, the the big one from a US perspective on, on Friday, expectations there for a bit of a slowdown in in the pace of hiring to just under 200K from, from 253K in April. And and that combined with the, the, the May CPI um, just ahead of the the FOMC's June meeting is kind of the key data um, in the run-up to that that June meeting. Um, we also get the uh, Eurozone um, CPI on, on Thursday, which will be closely watched. Base effects there from energy, again, looking um, expected to pull that year-on-year mm. rate down, but but you know less relief expected on, on the core measure. And we've got um, Spain data on, on Tuesday and then German, Italian and France data on, on Wednesday to look out for in, in the run-up to that release. And, and locally, what's coming out? Uh, yeah, so locally, after a quiet week last week, we've got um, a smattering of, of data this week, pre-GDP partials in, in the run-up to, to GDP next week, worth worth a look to firm up the investment side. And then also the, the monthly CPI data on Wednesday will be um, will be fairly closely watched. It's not the full CPI, so, you know, caution um, is, is needed in interpreting it. But, you know, we mm. look for what we expect fairly big base effects from, from fuel from changes a year ago to mean that the, the year-ended number pushes up. We see a little bit of upside risk to the consensus for 6.4%, um, but that increase likely to be more than un- unwound in, in May. All right. And then, of course, all the excitement of whether that deal gets over the line. We'll watch with bated breath. Uh, we'll leave it there for now, though. Thank you, Taylor. Catch you next time. Thanks, Phil. And there are another week kicks off. That's it for Monday morning's Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then. Thanks for listening.